Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. So this time the podcast is set up in a different way. I have with me Harsh right besides over here. So Harsh was uh, in the city visiting for some work and I was like, chal aaja podcast karte. So Harsh, thanks for coming. Hi Kushal, thank you for having me again. So guys, today's topic, uh, so while the topic is Jati, Varna and Dharma, but uh, just to explain to everyone, uh, Harsh and I were actually thinking about talking about this subject for a while. And then uh, honestly, Harsh wanted to call it Jati, Varna and the fundamentals of Dharma. But then I told Harsh, bhai, title YouTube ke liye baut bada ho <laughs> so, so we will call it Jati, Varna and Dharma. So Harsh, before we get into it, explain what exactly do we frame it as? So, what, so let's start with the basic framing of the subject itself. So the basic framing in this particular discussion is very simple. There are uh, some people who say that Varnashram Dharma based on hereditary understanding of Varna mm-hmm. and then how that maps to Jati and Gotra and other societal aspects is a critical aspect of Dharma. Yeah. Is basically a non-negotiable, um, at least in some form, that hereditary Varna has to be there for it to be considered authentically Dharma. Yeah. Um, you want to call authentically native thought, indigenous, decolonized, whatever you want to call it. Basically, that is, if you do not buy that, somehow you are deracinated. If you don't, if you do not buy that form of worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are always people on social media who are trying to remind me that, therefore, if you do not believe in this, um, and I think it's not just a social media topic. I think, first of all, it does not have too much political salience, again, mm-hmm. as the recent elections have shown. Yeah. Of course, there are other factors as well. Uh, but it's unnecessarily a point of contention. And I think it's not. It's important to set the record straight mm-hmm. um, that it is not just uh, because of various expeditious or reasons of expedience that we have to say what we are saying. Mm-hmm. But there is no fundamental reason to believe that, you know, a hereditary Varnashram is actually core to Sanatan Dharma. So it's not just what is needed today, although that is true. It is also um, very important not to concede any ground on the fundamentals of Dharma itself. Because there are two different arguments, right? If you make a normative argument, if you make a consequentialist argument, consequentialist argument, we will say, okay, that's fine. Look, some people call uh, modernity or even aspects of Hindutva to be a path dharma, mm. right? In the sense ki, path kal chal raha hai and you know it's it's a time of emergency and therefore we must get together like therefore under the threat of xyz we have to get together have some kind of hindu unity or dharmic fraternity or some kind of sort of a poli- in, in a political parlance you would call it a common minimum program yeah like a common minimum program because of some threat other once that threat passes is the explicit and often implicit logic we can then revert uh, to a hereditary Varnashram Dharma because that is genuinely timeless Sanatan Dharma. And it's very, it's it's fascinating that, you know, how uh, we used to see these uh, debates in Western countries where some clearly orthodox Muslim would be asked, okay, so do you think somebody should be killed for blasphemy? And they would say, well, not obviously in our country or under our constitution, but under an ideal Sharia state, it should happen. And therefore, they're not saying that it should happen now, mm-hmm. but they're not letting go of the uh, opportunity or rather the door. They want to keep it enough ajar mm-hmm. that at some point, that true authentic understanding of their faith or tradition mm-hmm. 
um, should be able to come back. And of course, these are not really comparable in any way. But the underlying logic is that we are somehow weathering or negotiating modernity. And that's another word we should discuss. But once things settle down or once we win, quote unquote, the civilizational war or battle, then this is how we go back to being authentic. And there is there is an element of reversal. How much reversal? To what extent? On what basis? Uh, I'm not. I'm sure anybody actually knows. And sometimes people who may know or have a certain opinion deliberately keep it ambiguous. Mm-hmm. A, they don't want to share what their actual views are. B, if they don't share it, they get to decide what is good and what is not good further beyond this point. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 important to say that this is not just an argument of. Um, practicality, it's an argument of principle. So that's that's the way I would try to frame this discussion. Uh, All right. So, so let's dig down. So the first uh, objection somebody might raise to you in this, uh, in this case, and I want to be very precise and I will say that, but Varna also, or whether it's Jati or whether it's Varna, they are by default as a structure at a scriptural level whether it's the Shruti or whether it's the Smriti, they are birth-based. So who are you? I'm not saying literally you. Yeah. I'm saying the metaphorical well, you. Well, this will be the objection. Exactly. Yeah. So the metaphorical you, which in my case would be someone who comes from an angle of an absolute belief in the annihilation of Jati Varna. I, I know you don't, but I do. And uh, so they would say, who am I to interfere in a system that is set in this uh, in the scripture so how do you reply to something like well, that well uh, we have to first break down the terms i think jati by definition is about birth okay hereditary so i mean there is the word jati would have no meaning mm-hmm. if it is not about literally birth uh, or hereditary or some kind of hereditary based ethnicity mm-hmm. uh, as a as an example i often give is let's say you're a polish or a german american mm-hmm. that in effect is your jati right in that particular context yeah uh, the Jati context, it gets problematic in the Indian context if it has a connotation mm-hmm. of endogamy, right? Endogamy at the Jati level uh, and exogamy at the Gotra level. Uh, so that at least the Gotra point, mm-hmm. which is, you know, within a Jati, at least there is uh, historically might have been good biological reasons for that. Although maybe with current size of populations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Gotras might be very large populations and therefore there may be no medical issue if people marry within that. But ignoring that for a moment. So Jati is literally by definition uh, by birth and there is no problem with it provided it does not have the connotation of endogamy. Mm. Varna, what is Varna? Varna, let us say whether it happens hereditary or it happens uh, through the way we'll discuss. Um, Varna is basically, you know, there are four Varnas and then there are the Avarnas. And the idea is this is your profession is not exactly the right word. This is what you do in life. This is what your predilection is. This is what your sabhav is. Okay. What your gunas are, mm-hmm. uh, and this is what you do. And you also apparently marry accordingly, or at least try to marry accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, historically, it is true, just as a matter of fact, that for centuries, if not almost two millennia at least, I mean, one and a half for sure, uh, based on a stronger version of genetic evidence, mm-hmm. that mostly uh, varnas in practice were hereditary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were, you were, and there were various reasons. That's how the economy was. 
you know all pre industrial economies were feudal at some level right absolutely and uh-huh. hierarchies are uh, hierarchies are the natural outcome of post agricultural society well hierarchies have always been there the question now is whether there is social mobility or not hierarchies yeah. will always be a feature of fluidity fluidity is the question right i mean hierarchies have always been there and hierarchies even earlier were, there was never a time when there were no when there was no mobility or no uh, fluidity right i mean if you got an army together and won a kingdom you won a kingdom you know you were there for the kshatriya and even even if you go by uh, you mentioned scriptures right in scriptures may there is uh, shruti and smriti although even this distinction is a bit overdone um and uh, there are a lot of smritis when we bolte hain ki actually after so many generations xyz jati together could change the varna mm-hmm. so so that even even in our tradition there is an element of varna fluidity but after a long enough time and then also the entire jati or the sub jati together mm-hmm. what was not there or at least in principle during this kind of let's say intervening smriti time and we'll go to the shruti part which was earlier in a moment what was not there that is true is that in principle an individual could not change his one mm-hmm. so what happened was you had the option of flexibility of groups aka jatis mm-hmm. jumping varnas and if you don't want to believe in hierarchy let's not call it jumping up or down but let's say jumping sideways got it so so you know for example you could be an agricultural based community fully so let's say shudras but the entire tribe clan joins mm-hmm. um a king all become soldiers and therefore at some point they become kshatriyas or during some way they kind of migrate for whatever reason uh they become brahmans or vaishyas or or whatever or maybe they become shudras uh so that that element was always there but and in reality for all we know maybe there was even more flexibility uh than even the theory allows mm-hmm. so you know the dharma shastras the smriti the dharma shastras particularly come from the dharma sutras uh the four surviving dharma sutras are uh, gautama apastamba vashishta bodhiyana uh, there are more but they don't necessarily survive and uh, even 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 within apastamba dharma sutra they say for example you know what is not written here uh the you should ask what dharma means uh, to women or to so called lower castes or classes uh, it was it was basically a manual or not exactly a manual but at least thought of ideas what should be done ideally not always necessarily followed in practice by duija men born again the top 3 uh, kind of varnas especially brahman men that was the focus of these dharma sutra texts but even there for example apastamba says that you know there is something called yuga dharma mm-hmm. you know like okay this this is this this uh therefore now we're talking of smritis which is what these dharma, dharma sutras are they're not shruti which mm-hmm. is we'll come to the vedas especially the samhitas uh is they basically say that okay what is relevant for this time for this particular geography or community may not always be relevant for all people at all times got it and they themselves are saying that so it's a bit weird for us therefore to sit in the 21st century not many of us not even following our so called hereditary uh you know ascribed varna so for example um, uh, let's say you are a professor let's say um, you know you are a vaishya by jati so like let's say if you were actually following a hereditary varna mm-hmm. you you but you are not you become a professor therefore now by varna you are now a brahman but by jati you remain a baniya or a vaishya got it so like and similarly there are many by jati brahmans who might be for example in the indian army today mm-hmm. and they are therefore 
in reality doing the varna work of Shatriyas. of Shatriyas. Hmm. Uh, so when so when we colloquially say Banias or Rajputs or Brahmins or others, we mostly mean the jati aspect of it mm-hmm. because we don't necessarily mean what they're doing. Because there might be, of course, we all know there are many professors who happen to be from a Dalit background or uh, from a Shudra background or Ati Shudra background. So they are, in terms of their Varna practice, they are all Brahmins. But we colloquially, when we say, kind of uh, lap it up or map it to uh, the Jati aspect of it. And therefore, there is this confusion. Mm-hmm. And all these three terms together, right? Varna, Jati, Gotra, they all come under the caste label, which is not even an Indian word. And there is so much confusion about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but stepping, taking one step back, right? So there are the Shrutis and the Smriti. We talked about the Smritis, uh, which is, you know, what is remembered. Shruti is what is heard. Um, and the Vedas, especially the Samhitas are like, the Rig Veda, Samhita especially, is the oldest known Indic text, at least the oldest extant Indic text. Um, and, you know, except uh, the Purusha Sukta 1, the 10.90, uh, there is... As far as I know, no mention of the four Varnas in in Rig Veda Samhita. Even some people at least try to say maybe it was later on interpolated. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if that is true. But even in that particular Sukta, it's not mentioned as hereditary at all. Yeah. And so just to yes. give more information to people over here, uh, it is very important to understand that even inside the Rig Veda, there is an internal chronology, right? So you have the family books that is two to seven, and then you have the other books. So the family books are coming way before the other books. So even the Purusha Sukta, if you consider it in that way. It's Mandala 10. Yeah, so it's I'm, Mandala 10. It's a new book. So even that idea of the hierarchy in that sense comes much later on in the Vedas. Yeah, and even even within that, at least within the, again, the Rigveda Samhita and the other Samhitas also, the other three Samhitas also, there is no mention of hereditary at all. Mm-hmm. Um, although you will find, you know, in the Vedic kind of literature will also include the, the Brahmanas, the Upanishads, the commentaries. Mm-hmm. And in yeah, there, no, that's fine. In, in, in you'll find uh, those there in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, even here, it's important to understand when you say birth and hereditary are not the same, two same things. It's very important to understand mm-hmm. uh, why I'm saying that. Maybe Varna is by birth in the sense that by birth you have a certain inclination. So you're talking about the gunas. The gunas. So let's so that, say you have certain gunas. So when you're born, you're born with certain gunas and your natural inclination over a period of time takes you to that. There point. is nature plus nurture, but the nature part at least was towards a certain direction. But having said that, as and many of us who have siblings know that, that not all siblings have the same gunas or predilections. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, birth and hereditary are two different things. Um, birth is not always the same as hereditary slash lineage. Again, colloquially, we often say mm-hmm. Varna should be by birth. For example, Ambedkar and Savarkar would say, and not by birth, as at least initially Gandhiji was saying. But the idea was that okay, it, even if even if you concede it is by birth, it is not the same as being hereditary. So somebody might have the inclination to be a soldier. And he might be born in a family which has no such hereditary idea at all. Yeah, but this is where the debate comes in, right? So if I was to take uh, the Puri Shankaracharyaji, uh, you know, a lot of times there is this, according to his view, he says the famous uh, Bhagavad Gita verses, Chaturvarna Maya System Gunakarma Vibhagascha, right? 4.13, I think. I, I don't remember the exact words. I think it is 4.13. Yeah, 4.13. 4.13, yeah. right? So according to 4.13, the whole thing is that your Varna is determined not by your Janma, it is by your Gunakarma. Yeah. Now on that, 
person like Puri Shankaracharya ji will go ahead and say that it is not like that because here in the Gita it says this, here in the Gita. Now I did try to read without the commentary and in my humble opinion, it is not what the Puri Shankaracharya ji says. My point is for 4.13 says it is by Guna. I don't think it says it is not by birth. It does not say that. Yeah. And my point is, again, it's important to emphasize that even if it is by birth or at least partially by birth, it is not the same as lineage or being hereditary. Mm-hmm. Because as as Kushal might have a certain inclination. Mm-hmm. You just, it's just maybe it's random. Maybe you can connect it in, in a theological framework to your past life. And therefore solve the problem of theodicy. Have an understanding. Okay, because of certain reasons I have this particular life. Fortune events, unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. This particular set of inclinations or predilections. That's possible. But... That is still not the same as you necessarily having the same inclinations as your brother or sister, as your own blood brother or sister. And what that shows, therefore, is it's not hereditary. And that is the that is the entire point. So you know, it is important for us, therefore, not to say this is not by birth at all, because that's not true. First of all, uh, there is at least some uh, just being scientifically uh, accurate. There is at least some element of hereditary correlation to, for example, IQ. Now, IQ itself is a very controversial topic, this and that. There are different kinds of intelligences. Uh, there is an unfortunately racist angle to the research with the motivated. We, you know that probably better than me. But my point is there are things which are genetically somewhat correlated. But nonetheless, that is not one-to-one correlation. Sometimes it works out like that in the family and gets further reinforced by nurture. That is the family environment. But mm-hmm. sometimes you have completely different kinds of children slash siblings coming out of that family setup. Mm-hmm. And so long as you have that flexibility in principle, the system works fine. Because, okay, what is the what is the Varna system trying to achieve? Let's actually step back even further. The Varna system, all good societies, whether they have called four Varnas, three Varnas, 24 Varnas, mm-hmm. they're saying in a free society, there is no one metric that you must necessarily maximize. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, the guy who's trying to maximize knowledge, for example, does not necessarily in any way feel inferior to the guy who's trying to maximize wealth or the guy who's trying to maximize political power. Mm-hmm. Right? At least, in a, I mean, it may not be true in Stalinist societies where you have to be close to political power. But in any kind of more harmonious, ordered society, people are free to basically pursue their own understanding of their meaning of life. And therefore, there automatically is this decentralized distribution of influence in society. Some have more political power, some have more financial power, some have more intellectual power, and so on and so forth. That by itself is actually a good idea. There is no problem with that. Yeah. So again, it's very important. We are, at least I am not at all against Varnashram Dharma at all. I am not against Jati at all, which is why I don't want to let go of these terms either. Varna. Ashram, let's come later on, but the Varna Dharma in Jati is perfectly fine. The only and only problem is if Varna is considered hereditary and therefore, at least in principle, mapped to a Jati or more likely many Jatis are mapped to a Varna, which, as I said, theoretically, again, Jatis could jump Varnas, but after a few generations and only the entire Jati together uh, or at least the sub-Jati together, not individuals. And that is what I think is completely fundamentally against our lived experience. There are individuals who are just freaks of nature in both good and bad ways, who are very different from their own immediate families, their parents or their siblings, 
and if they want to channel that particular energy in a different creative direction that's fine and that leads to an automatically self-ordering society. That that's all it is. There is no you. So you don't have to be against. Let's not even use the word caste. You don't have to be against Varna per se. You don't have to be against Jati per se. You don't have to be against Gotra per se. You're simply saying the system should be more fluid than the system itself allowed, in theory, which was the groups could change their Varnas. That also with certain caveats. And my point is, let that individual. In fact, let the same individual, if he wants to specialize in different 10-year phases of his life, in different, like, maybe he wants to focus on wealth creation in, for 10 years. Maybe he wants to focus on intellectual pursuits for 10 years. It may not be a very efficient way of doing it because we all know specialization takes patience, hard work. It snowballs the longer you do it. But if somebody is trying that, you know, maybe it's not very smart, but there is no reason for that particular time that he is immersed he or she is immersed in wealth creation. He is a Vaishya. For that particular time period, he or she is defending the country. He is a Kshatriya. And similarly, a Brahman or a Shudra, whatever. If you're just a, I mean, the corporate slave wage, uh, kind of half joke, half jokingly, the way we kind of talk about many of our friends, acquaintances, each other, ourselves, you can correlate that to one of the Varnas. Mm -hmm. So the only and only problem is that it should not be considered hereditary by definition now in practice of course especially during you know muslim and british colonial rule is you know let's say if your hindu schools were being attacked by muslim rulers who wanted to convert um, more and more of you mm -hmm. uh, you know to 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 their religion how could you preserve the vedic knowledge mm -hmm. uh, if you can't run a public school mm -hmm. the only way you can preserve it for example is by running it within your family. So that's perfectly fine. That actually is the true form of, you know, a dharma during an emergency or adverse phase of our dharma. Like that understanding actually made sense during that period that there was a calamity when you had to do it this way. Therefore, you had to go for that flexibility. What we are doing now is we are inverting it and saying that particular understanding is the Sanatan version. And what quote-unquote reformist with a smirk, the way people say, that actually is not authentic. And my point of view is, you know, again, you know, if you want to consider something as hereditary, do that. Nobody is stopping you, no? Say, for example, if a doctor encourages his or her daughter or son to become a doctor, there's, no, there's nothing wrong in it. The problem becomes if you try to say only a doctor's child can become a doctor. Right? If you, if others can also plausibly, reasonably with hard work within their lifetimes become doctors, there's no problem if doctors are helping their children become doctors. Because some people, some parents give their kids monetary resources. Some give their kids guidance. Some give their kids connections. I mean, there are various kinds of nepotism as well. Some give them political parties. Some give them political <laughs> parties. And some of them are not able to keep it. Right. So, so again, that by itself is not a problem. The problem is when you say the social mobility is closed, that therefore this is a closed guild and others cannot enter that. That in principle is wrong. Again, in reality, you can take a long time to change that. I had um, tweeted about, you know, a particular matha saying that uh, only so and so can join the Vedic school run by them or one of their subsidiaries and People are like, no, 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 that's that's wrong. That's how it is. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's very interesting that people who otherwise want to give a definition 
to the Hindu Indic Dharmic framework, and there are three different things. But this is not the podcast to discuss that. When you say that allow all Hindus to be part of XYZ, they immediately say live and let live. Otherwise, they want to define what is true, what is truly being Hindu and what is not truly being Hindu. So in that case, what if somebody came to you in very specific to this, this case that you're talking about? What if somebody came to you that only Brahmins university admission. Not university, a Vedic Partshala. Vedic Partshala, sorry. Vedic Partshala. I don't follow it. So I So I want to be very no, actually a lot of people said me, why are you writing about this at all? If these are not uh, if some puns or some pradayas are not modernizing, quote unquote. Let them go extinct. That's what some people said to me. And I said, well, that's a completely wrong attitude to have. First of all, you know, a mat set up at least uh, in theory by Adi Shankaracharya ji mm-hmm. uh, cannot just be let go. And of course, there's a beautiful ideology of uh, Smartha and all that it entails in terms mm-hmm. of Panchayatna Puja, the idea of having multiple gods, uh, but you can still kind of prioritize one God, one Devi Devta. It, th- these are all beautiful worldviews, not just India, but the world needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong in very humbly, politely discussing this. So long as I don't support the government, by the way, forcing to open these yeah. parshalas. So. Institutions should be left. Alone. So I just want to put that on record. I am not in the support of the government forcibly saying. Yeah. Uh, so your case would be you were folded hands say yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to persuade and and even if the government ever does this forcefully then it should do it across all societal aspects wherever there is any such issue and not target any one particular community or caste that's very important because in in, in Tamil Nadu for example the the uh, the DMK the Periyarites the Dravidians uh, they do have a very clear anti-Brahmin almost visceral bias and sometimes it has a lot of anti-Semitic language kind of character uh, i think i think uh Periyar once actually compared uh brahmins and jews both in a negative way uh so so there is a there is a very bad history i've been told by friends politics is very sexualized yeah uh, so 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 you know i'm not being from there i respect that feedback and i i want to put it on record that this is about the principle not any particular state or caste or community if there is uh, if there is any, let's say there's a brokerage run by Agarwals or Jains, mm. and they say only XYZ should join as interns or trainees, I'm completely against that. So, I mean, I'm not saying the two are comparable, uh, but if anything like that happens, I'm fully, completely, uh, unambiguously against it. So, uh, I just want to make a point of principle because what is happening is most of us have, anyways, because of uh, this industrialized, post-industrialized kind of society economy, uh, people are following all kinds of jobs based on you know their education, based on what they like, based on what they're good at, based on what get what can fr- quite frankly get rewards in the marketplace. But somehow we want to say ki, it's only in religion that nothing should change. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, forget Ambedkar. If you don't like, for some uh, people do not like that, uh, we can discuss Ambedkar separately. Savarkar was very clear that. We should have examinations uh, for various kinds of uh, priestly positions in different sampradays. And how do you run it? What are the logistics? These are all valid questions. But Savarkar was very clear that it should, in, in principle, be open to everybody. He, in fact, spoke of the seven shackles of Hindu society. You know, I think one was untouchability. I think uh, the second he second was 
not eating with people of different communities castes that was the roti bandi third was being against inter caste marriage he was against that so spoke of beti bandi then there was samudra bandi which is no longer relevant but people forget that <laughs> that was the funniest one that people would not travel outside india it was a big deal i mean I, in some cases i've read that samudra bandi been written as sindhu bandi because the element was if you cross the sindhu um uh, sparsh bandi obviously was untouchability this shuddhi bandi which is very important that is do not be uncomfortable with reconversions to hinduism mm. that was very important um there is something called vidokta bandi saying that okay whatever rituals you require which is relevant to what we were discussing mm. then uh, it should be in principle open to everybody yeah so you're not against the rituals you're simply broadening the base of who can do those rituals again with all the proper qualifications and i you know or some people say six month ka course is not enough and i agree with the criticism that you know it should be rigorous that if to be a particular kind of acharak whatever whatever uh, the particular position is takes 10 years then make it 10 years do not make it six months make it difficult as hell but make it equal for all that's all and in fact even then it's not equal because you'll grandfather everybody which is fine but those who are entering it now they should enter on an equal basis and, that's all. and they have an opportunity i guess two decades three decades down the line yes yeah, so the system will gradually change you don't have to forcibly change the system at all just allow it and you know it's very interesting people say but it's a massive sacrifice who will come and i said if nobody will come then anyways just open it what's the point if nobody will come you should not be against opening it in principle and and then they actually say no 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 actually it's, this is this is uh, one of the few jobs available to xyz community then in that case if we have to speak of all of hinduism even within that sampradaya it should again in principle be open to everybody of that sampradaya um so this is all well meaning people nobody has any bad intentions most of them don't but i think these are basically arguments that are self contradictory and uh, i mean the japanese did it the japanese uh, they 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 had also see all again all pre industrial societies had some kind of caste system not just the indians but the japanese the koreans the french plato had a three tier system yes we had all the way going back to ancient greece and of course uh, the kind of slavery or semi slavery plantation system not just in north america but in latin america and that, actually the word actually caste comes from casta um i think it's a portuguese word yeah. so uh see they, all of them had it but they all deliberately as they entered modernity what is modernity it's important to discuss that as well i think modernity is when you make the bargain with the larger society that you are ready to risk relative decline not guaranteed you're ready to risk you are ready to risk relative decline of your status or perceived status in turn for overall expansion of pie so that even if that bad scenario happens in your case of a relative decline of your status you are overall better off so basically modernity is when you are saying i am risking some percentile position for overall absolute gain and in a way it's it's not just casting it's about economics as well luddites what are the luddite uh, protests against the industrial revolution in manchester or elsewhere that okay you know we have these jobs um these are these big new machines people who own them will do very well we will lose our jobs so we stop them so we stop them we break them we throw stones at it and mm-hmm. what society gets together and say okay wait hold on let us make sure there are enough mechanisms of internal mobility therefore everybody kind of not if not everybody but most people or more people sign up to this 
contract, so to speak, social contract, whereby you understand the risks of change, you know, what Shamter called creative destruction in economics. Mm. But with the understanding that the overall pie is increasing and there will be enough, enough of a safety net that everybody will have a shot at that social mobility. Now, this is not always realized in practice. I mean, clearly the, the children of the rich get a much better education than the children of the poor. You can try to make it better and better through some government quality education. There are politics of it, of teacher unions, etc. But one aspect of modernity, and I, this is not just about caste or economics, but about gender relations, about uh, international relations, is you are basically saying we are signing up for certain rules of games where there could be more volatility, but with the understanding that nonetheless, you know, ex-ante, we would at least in absolute terms come out ahead. Which so one of the one of the reasons, for example, China did not have an industrial revolution. It, it had a it had a, amongst the large empires, it had the most modern pre-modern state. Was because you know there was a centralized power. Europe had competing sources of political power, many different kingdoms, and in China, for example, they just never allowed this entrepreneurial change because they were just comfortable with the status quo. Similarly, I've been reading about Ottoman Empire. It's very similar there. They were comfortable. They did not try to deliberately industrialize or use a mercantilist strategy. So part of modernity is you're saying I am risking relative uh, status loss for absolute uh, material or otherwise gain. So you know what I observed in this entire process that you were explaining? The... The most fascinating thing is when you try to explain Jati Varna, and this is my conclusion and my extraction, whenever I hear about Jati Varna from different commentators, I don't see any individual. Yeah, I, I just yeah, don't see it. Exactly. I don't see it. I, I don't see any individual in the entire discourse of Jati Varna. Uh, Jati as a fundamental concept is itself a group. Varna also is a group. It is a set of people who have those particular qualities. So the moment you say it is a set of people, it is a group description. Now, the thing with modernity is, what did modernity do? Now, people can like it. People cannot like it. I though have no shame whatsoever in claiming that modernity is good. Uh, and, and fundamentally in consonance with dharma. Yeah. That's my understanding of at least Sanatan dharma. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Now, my thing with modernity is that Modernity, what it changed fundamentally in the way people looked at the world was it changed the locus of focus from the group to the individual. Yeah, It flipped it, which is why it could have these reforms. It could have these breakages. It could have these change of norms. Now, whatever. Now, somebody could come back and say, but not necessarily, because what about the Lingayats, for example? That was a group response to a group hierarchical issue. Right? It was not. But it could happen in some cases, but eventually modernity focuses on the individual, not on the group. Or, or what do you have to say about that? Um, let's first, uh, it's an excellent brief detour you brought up the case of Lingayats. Mm. It's important to understand the Lingayats, at least in theory, uh, reject the caste system. Of mm -hmm. course, in reality, they ended up becoming a caste of their own. Yeah, which uh, is kind of ironical. Which is, I think, also what you were hinting at. Um, in theory, they also reject the Vedas, uh, which the Veedashayavas don't. Mm -hmm. And the kind of, in terms of uh, practices, kind of 
call them cousins almost mm-hmm. i think both are shaivites if i'm not wrong in karnataka mm-hmm. um and which 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 you know the fundamentals of dharma we didn't discuss that part you know like what exactly and this is also relevant to the modernity and individual part you're saying is okay so first of all what is sanatan dharma there are many dharmas small d dharmas capital d dharma. what is sanatan dharma sanatan part means eternal right sanatan means eternal eternal has to be universal but universal has to be a hetero universalism which is okay with heterogeneity mm-hmm. because any universalism that is not okay with heterogeneity that actually wants homogeneity has to perforce be an imperial universalism mm-hmm. uh, which is what islam and christianity at least in their orthodox versions are mm-hmm. um so what happened was you know in the world over we had these pre abrahamic religions animisms paganisms what i call various dharmic puns and i think it's important to use our own vocabulary to describing the outside world not just our own world mm-hmm. uh and they did not have any political understanding of religion because to them somebody fighting for kingdoms is very different from who we worship and therefore the winning king would also end up incorporating because it's a pantheon it's a polytheist pantheon often uh in one, in the same form or some different form the so called losers gods into his or her pantheon there was that kind of organic uh, diffusibility that i mentioned in my essay on dharmatva on my substack and what happened was when the abrahamic revolution came first half heartedly with judaism and then mm-hmm. almost full throatedly with christianity and then fully full throatedly with islam um is that it allowed various internal dissensions to be streamlined to be focused on the outside enemy the heathen or the kafir so they were actually the proto large empires the proto nation states what happened was what led to their expansion is also what led to the internecine sectarian warfares because you know one, ultimately if it's about power then who gets to decide to wield the power within and therefore you have shia sunni you have catholic orthodox protestant and you have very very brutal bloody civil wars religious civil wars out of which in the case of christianity came out the concept of the modern nation state uh the treaty of westphalia is kind of an iconic date or example of that and after that it just got more and more uh, towards where people said okay you know um we are clearly killing is ourselves each other on the basis of our understanding of christianity and therefore let's make christianity less and less important in the public sphere so in that sense the genesis or origins of modern secularism is very much within christianity but if you look deeper it's against christianity it's like the virus is separate from the vaccine mm. right the virus was an internecine sectarian abrahamic warfare the vaccine was a nation state so it, so for example what happened is when during the protestant revolution and the, the civil the the european religions religious wars the 17th century for example where the germanic protestants were often fighting uh with the you know let's say the catholic italians and the uh, spaniards and others interestingly france which was the most incipient state even though mostly catholic majority often was on the side of the protestants mm-hmm. is the moment you start thinking like a nation state you already have the particular identity that group identity and therefore you do not need an abrahamic affiliation religion or sect to give you that coherence mm-hmm. and which is what Iqbal understood that the biggest enemy of these two universal religions is modernity is the modern nation state <laughs> and that nation state therefore 
also independently allows individuals to choose their lives because that was the basis of its creation yeah that you can choose what you want to worship because you know what we went through so many wars we killed tens of millions of each other in a time of less exactly. population yes now of course the question is what is relevance to that of in india well first relevance is there are many abrahamics in india already 300 million almost and in, even inside the hindu fold there are too many abrahamics hindus and even if there are none but because you do have a modern nation state continental sized subcontinental sized how would you decide in the future that if you are quote unquote not secular you're not separating even dharmic panth okay panth nirpeksh is the right definition not dharma nirpeksh that is true how would you define who would i give patronage to which sampraday to yeah. if you are if you are a 7th century harshavardhana it's fine if you are simultaneously a shaivite and a buddhist because ultimately at least at some level there is not fully at some level the king's property is the rajya's property but it's also there is an element of personal discretion and how he spends it plus the kingdom is not modern it does not have deep roots at the ground level it's not all of india and therefore there are there are many kings patronizing many different dharmic sampradayas and pants and it kind of works out in harmony but now that you have a modern state with digital reach knowing what everybody is doing one state more than 1 billion hindus 95% 90% of the world's hindus live in india if this state starts giving patronage based on intra dharmic pants and sampradayas imagine that thousands of years of harmony built because now we live in this modern state context will become a massive basis for if not civil war massive internal political tensions so what do you tell to those people then i have to come in here that modern state and modernity are responsible for the destruction of the family unit and and they always make this point oh look at the west the west is such a pathetic society by the way i don't know how the west is pathetic i mean anybody who has lived there who has family there i mean i always say, give this argument to my wife like she's a westerner so i tell her I mean, like according to some people your society is pathetic and she just smirks see first of all no society is perfect nobody's uh, making that yes, claim as if india is perfect uh, and exactly so neither here nor there nor yeah. anywhere else secondly as of now western societies are more prosperous uh, and that makes life easier for a lot of people based on many self reported happiness metrics it seems that despite being really dark and otherwise depressing for example the scandinavian societies do well mm. uh, although of course in many ways their suicide metrics are also quite high so it's always a mixed bag but the larger point is just like you just like orientalism is wrong uh, you know the way edward said said i think he he had more in mind islam but we could also extend that to india or china for that matter where you basically use a broad brush for any eastern society or civilization and say they are like that they are lazy they will never do this they don't have the protestant work ethic etc etc it is equally wrong and we should be able to say this from a point of self confidence and therefore no massive baggage on our shoulders that we do not need to do this to the west either that is occidentalism that there are all kinds of people with very diverse views views that have evolved over the centuries and decades and uh, so on within the west mm-hmm. i mean there are as i said even even in a post christian context in a pre christian context there was protestants catholics orthodox there's a judeo christian angle there's a greco roman angle there's a liberal secular angle there's a left right angle people who are always disagreeing and people sometimes disagreeing at the level of the individual so what what is the western view what is the indian view are there is there any is there if we are to use these words and we often use it very casually 
then we have to go to the bare minimum common standard. And to me, that's not Western or Indian. It is Dharmic and Abrahamic. That is a true distinction in our society, in our modern world, where you basically say the Dharmic view is based on mutual respect, that moksha, this, this works for me, for my moksha, and it may or may not work for Kushal. I'm not saying this is the only way for Kushal as well. And therefore, as you know, we've often discussed, others have said, it is beyond just respect or mutual respect. Uh, sorry, it's just beyond tolerance. Yeah. And it is to mutual respect. Basically, mutual respect with reciprocity. There is no mutual respect. There is no mutual respect. Mutual respect means reciprocity. reciprocity. It's a golden principle. Yeah. So, but Tattwa, Masi and all that. But now I'll come here. Then you said Orientalism is a problematic issue. And, and so is Occidentalism. Occidentalism. Fair enough. But we'll stick to Orientalism first. Immediately somebody might come and that is why we make the case for decoloniality. Which is, yeah, which is... Now, the thing with Orientalism is, Orientalism comes from, let's say, a certain Western outlook, and then it develops into post-colonialism. Now, the decolonial argument is that, look, post-colonialism itself is based in modernity, which is, again, based in uh, Christianity. Now, to answer that, we need decoloniality, and we bring in that. Now, we're not going to talk about decoloniality, but I'm trying to explain to you that that is the answer to Orientalism. So what uh, what See, do we do? Uh, decoloniality in the Indian context, of course, Jay Saidipak has written the book India that is Bharat, um, and I've read the book, and it's a very uh, see first and foremost colonial consciousness is real, like in so in my book A New Idea of India I have written the first chapter is actually called coincidentally India that is Bharat, the last chapter is called decolonizing the Indian state, so I'm not talking about people's minds necessarily the state more like administrative and bureaucratic procedures, which we kind of blindly copied in the British. So there is an element of that. And, you know, even our old lives, when you say, you know, at 35 today, I have these views, 25 had different views. And part of it was, I just did not think through clearly what were the sources of those views or why I was thinking. Just, just one question. Do you think decolonizing and decoloniality are two separate issues? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think what I... I think you'll have to ask somebody's written a book on like Sai or somebody else. But from what I understand, coloniality is colonial consciousness. So the fact that it's a form of false consciousness. So the way you look at the world. In the sense that you don't know that you are infected. Okay. And that is something that could happen, but you have to be very, very careful. The Marxists were, for example, past masters. In that sense, decoloniality is also left. So the Marxists always said that this Therefore, he should take part in the Marxist revolution or massive redistribution. He is against his own interests. That is that was a Marxist false consciousness. In the American context, they wrote a book, What is Wrong with Kansas? Hmm. So that was the idea that you know these, these are these, these poor, non-college educated white people. Why are they voting Republicans? Why are they always doing guns? gods and being against gays or whatever why are they voting for billionaires like trump for example mm -hmm. and the republicans had a rebuttal what is wrong with connecticut uh you know it's a bit of an alliteration there kansas connecticut saying connecticut is a state which has a very high per capita income in the us a lot of hedge funds etc are there and often tend to vote left liberal aka democratic there and they would say well you know why are these guys voting for um tax increases for example mm. amongst other things and the problem with that argument is beyond a point. Is you, I, I mean, I can't go inside your head beyond a point, right? Mm -hmm. So there is an element of condescension there that Kushal doesn't know what he's talking about. 
Kushal should vote for uh, Democrats if he's in Kansas, or he should vote for Republican if he's in Connecticut. But nonetheless, having said that, for example, I do think that 10 years ago, my views on free trade were too colored by my Anglo-American influence. That also for a particular time, 80s, 90s, 2000s, because the discourse was such that free trade is good. And what particular countries had done in terms of trade policy mercantilism was abstracted from me. And once I read further and further, I realized that actually many of these Anglo-American kind of countries also became rich with some kind of mercantilism. I just have to come here. So you just said about false consciousness. Now, this is where I get confused. I'm asking questions. I don't have definitive answers myself. Now, why is the false consciousness only when the British came or only when the Mughals came? Now, what if I, I will do this now? If everything is about groups and there is no individual, then what if tomorrow somebody from a particular jati in Maharashtra, let's say the Mang or the Mahar, right? They come and say that even I have Brahminical consciousness. I mean, by the way, so the, now, now that you brought it up, actually Ambedkar has a quote saying that once I came back to India, so it's it's all there on Colombia's website actually. Uh, once he came back to Colombia, sorry, India, after finishing his education abroad, he said for a moment I had forgotten. Uh, that I could not, that I for a moment had forgotten that I am actually a Mahar and therefore I could not check in to any hotel. Now, not to mention that, of course, there are many different kinds of discriminations in the West at that particular time. Race-based. Race-based. Um, but he said that being outside, I was just an Indian. Within Indian, there were no differences. When I came back, and he narrates his instance of even despite having very high well-paid position, near the train station and a bunch of and he goes through all religious groups Parsis, Muslims, Christians and of course Hindus saying that I have a problem despite I think having a position from Baroda or something he could not actually stay where he wanted to stay so um, consciousness is there, but getting back, yes, you're right. I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. But okay, decoloniality to decolonizing to what? So, there is, let us say, there is something, there is some uh, bhusa in our heads. And I think, no, this, I admit to that. No, and I also think, I'm simply saying we have to be careful because there's an element of somebody who genuinely disagrees with you after much thought. You uh, false consciousness of any kind from right or left is basically telling him that you don't know what you're saying. We are, I mean, at, an, uh, at a level, so I'm going to use existentialism here. It's actually an interesting idea. So existentialist philosophy says that no, you're born in a running train. You're not born as a blank slate in that sense. You're going to a train where there are societal systems, hai, everything in its place. And you have to anybody to deny that. Is crazy. So to for me to deny that I am totally uh, you know open guy, there is no Western influence on me is nonsense. I have it, but my point is different. I don't mind it. Both a separate issue of whether that influence is positive or negative. In some cases, positive or negative, absolutely valid point. Of course, the larger point is Joe observe kar hai, apko kya, uske bhi influences. Hai. Wo bhi, he's also not he or she is also not uh, you know due machina. He is he or she is not an exogenous phenomenon. He is also endogenous to this world. Yeah, yeah. We are all in this train. So, so we are the, if you're all in this train, then how am, I, how am I saying that I can go beyond the train and see everything clearly, but others can't? Maybe in some cases that is possible. But it's getting too abstract. Let me just say this, that, okay, so there is uh, there is some problem. It is a problem is identified. Now decolonize or let's use a broader term, 
be more authentic, be more indigenous, be more rooted, be more Hindu, be more dharmic. What does that mean? Then you have to go back to saying, what is our authentic selves? Uh, so that's exactly my point. But that's if you defend that, that's one problem. For 1500 years, again, genetic data shows that was the lived reality of India. Absolutely. So, so I'm not denying it at all. But it also shows that by definition that during the Rig Vedic times, for example, there was more intermingling because if 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 that endogamy hadn't around 500 AD or during the late Guptas, as per the latest data, you followed this much more closely during your other talks. Uh, but let's say 2000 years earlier, it was all much more intermingling. Then were those guys authentic or were the later guys authentic? So if you want to go back, you want to go back how much in time? Do you want to stop at the Smriti period? Or do you want to go back to the Shruti period? And if you want to start the Smriti period, then on what basis? Of basis of convenience? So, or let's put it this way. If you want to remove Western influence, should we stop Dalits from entering Mandirs? And if your answer is no, we should not, then the question is on what basis? And if your basis is no, no, it's from within the Hindu tradition, Ramanujacharya, Vishishta Dvaita, then that's exactly the point. The reformers are also trying to say that whatever is wrong within the dharmic cosmos in India can be solved by what is right within it. So there is that's, that. Nobody is trying to make a point that uh, we are what we are trying to do. Yeah, but I'm very uncomfortable with this framing itself because this basically comes down to the moment you use the word West, somebody will say, West I am and nahi accept karunga. That that's a very restrictive way of looking at the world itself. Ki aap kisi se hi nahi ho. I agree. And my point is what is I mean, what is good, we've always accepted. But I'm I'm making a separate point. I'm saying, okay, even if we agree to that proposition for a second. What is our view? You have to first define that, right? What is our authentic view? Now, yeah, if you, if that's you, where the traditionalists and you have a disagreement. No, no, but if you go back to the Rig Veda, Rig Veda is saying, I'm not sure how this universe was created. Hmm. I mean, that's the famous uh, part in Rig Veda. Nasadiya Suktam. says, I'm not sure. Maybe the gods know. Maybe the gods don't know either. Well, it does try to explain it later on. But yeah, yes, the agnosticism is there. No, well, agnosticism, more than that's the skepticism, hmm. not cynicism, skepticism. So my, when people say, do you believe in the Vedas? My point is, what does it mean to believe in the Vedas? In any case, Lingayas is saying, at least in theory, that they don't believe in the Vedas. I don't. So but, but, my question is, what does it mean to not believe in the Vedas? Now, Veda boli ni ki, Veda bol rai, this God is great. I'm worshipping to this God. I'm doing my yeah. devotion. When they say great. believe, I, I guess the right framing would be, do you think they are the supreme authority? I am very clear. I don't believe But my point are. is, even if you say the supreme authority, what, what? What does that mean? What next? Because the supreme authority is saying, I'm not sure. Yeah. But... So, so, so my point is, what do you mean by saying it is a supreme authority? I have no clue. It's for what we answer. mean by saying the supreme authority is those who will therefore claim to interpret it. They are the supreme authority. The book is not a supreme authority. Right? Yeah, it's gatekeeping. So then it's gatekeeping. So then the question is, okay, but then the text itself is saying that mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how this happens. The end of the uh, Rig Veda is very clear about getting the various different tribes and sampradayas and puns together and saying you all sit together, be mm -hmm. of one thought, be of one fraternity, get together. Um, I think maybe it was after the Battle of Ten Kings or no, I'm not sure how the chronology there works out. But the same is saying that, okay, there are differences, but let's try to solve our differences. The same Rig Veda is also saying other things. It is saying you be kind, be do. And by the way, it's very interesting that, you know, when this... Um, 
people say Christianity is modernity, effectively is the argument. You know, who really likes this argument besides some Indian quote-unquote traditions? I think reform is India's tradition. I, I, I distinguish between tradition and orthodoxy. It's a separate issue. You know, who really likes that argument? Many non-believing cultural Christian supremacists. So there's a book by Tom Holland called Dominion. Yeah, I'm reading it because you told me to. And he basically says the entire modern world is Christian. Yeah. Everything. You know, gay rights are Christian, even though, you know, they were killed by Christians for life. Well, Leviticus and Deuteronomy will disagree with you. Being nice to Jews is Christian, but Hitler is not Christian. So whatever is good in the world is Christian. Everything is Christian. Whatever is bad is not Christian. And interestingly, it's very well known. He yoga said, is also Christian, I guess. Well, yeah. So they'll just remove the word yoga. Uh, anyway, people are doing that with deep breathing exercises yeah. and pranayam and all that. So, it, you know, who are who are the people who are in agreement with each other? People who want to claim all of modernity as their inheritance, even if they're not believing Christians. They're saying, look, I am a European white guy. I may not be a believing Christian anymore. I'm just too smart for that. But you know what? Tum sab loko civilize hum kia. Basically, that's the argument. <laughs> and the and what some people on the other side is saying, you know what? Modernity is Christianity because if I do not try to discredit modernity, I'll have to come to terms on my own with how to navigate social relations, which have nothing to do with the essential aspect of dharma. You know, uh, for example, discrediting Ambedkar saying he had a colonial education. What does that even mean? Like, Savartar had a colonial education. I mean, Nehru had a colonial education. Gandhi had a colonial education. People people get educated. People get beyond their education as well. So my point is, it even if we want to, in an abstract sense, go back to our true roots, first define what are the true roots. Secondly, what does it mean, mean, mean to go back to them? It is not enough to say, to be fair to them, they never say that too. They say well, it has to be gauged with contemporary relevance too. So but, uh, I don't want to straw man that. No, but what does that mean? My question is, what does that mean? It, it, what it means is, I will now get to decide that I think what they're trying to say is that we will go back to our roots and each sampradaya, each jati, each panth will decide how much and where they want or to who go. who will decide with them? I don't have any sampradaya. I'm not. I mean, that's what services. Most Indian Hindus do not have a sampradaya. They don't have a formal affiliation. Who decide karega, yaar? I mean, you know, for example, Govardhan Purishankaracharya there's a tweet right now I can see in front of me. The root cause of financial poverty is the breakdown of social institutions that secured the hereditary livelihood of the individual. It's a direct quote from the Govardhan Mart. So this is an official quote, right? Yeah, so I mean, so I'm not paraphrasing or anything. Mm-hmm. So my point is, okay, is he or this particular opinion only authentic? Then people will say, no, no, no. This is only one panth. You can go to another panth. But if you go to another panth, then how was there only one Indic worldview to begin with? So we are saying that there are multiplicity of worldviews. So when you actually put a specific quote or a specific instance to the Indian worldview or the Indic or Dharmic, you know, epistemology, ontology. No, I don't think so. They're saying that. They're, uh, I think I mean, we have a disagreement. I mean, you have to decolonize to something. Now. To decolonize to what? To a different, different worldviews. Do you decolonize to one worldview for your punt, other worldview for another punt, another worldview for another punt? There is no common worldview. Every single punt will have their own worldviews. I, uh, I but think then at the same time, you say that... Uh, so then Basavna is legitimate, isn't it? The Lingayat uh, 
एंटीकास्ट रिवॉल्ट ऑफ थाउजेंड ईयर टू गो ऑलमोस्ट वॉज लेजिटिमेट आई थिंक इट अगर आज कोई कर रहा है तो उसमें क्या प्रॉब्लम है वो अगर आप इसके लिए कर रहे हो क्योंकि आप में कॉलोनियल कॉन्शियसनेस है आप वो वेस्ट से पढ़ के अब मैं अगर 1980 से पैदा हुआ तो मेरी गलती है कि अगर मैं वेस्टर्न इंपीरियलिज्म की बात पैदा हुआ व्हिच मींस दैट आई कैन नॉट कम इट मींस आई कैन नॉट हैव कम अप विद इट इफ आई वाज लिविंग इन द 12th सेंचुरी इट इज समथिंग ऑफ दैट सॉर्ट सो हाउ हाउ डज हाउ डज समबडी मेक दैट क्लेम और मे बी बसावना और द लिंगायस वर आल्सो कॉलोनाइज्ड इन देयर ओन वे दे वर they were uh, influenced by the protestant theology before the protestant revolution happened half a world away 300 years later yeah so we have abhijit ayer in the live chat saying ek dusre ko mukka maar do so okay so one last question and then we will take uh, audience questions because kafi jama ho gaye hain so if this is the case look i i genuinely have nothing against people who believe in decoloniality and for the record ye koi plan hum log ne ye discussion bahut pehle plan kiya tha believe in decoloniality kya to decoloniality ko religion hai kya apparently it is believe kya hota hai apparently it is so it has to be a framework if it's an intellectual framework what do you mean believe in i don't know they be, so for me <laughs> what like, scares it's, it's me what scares me right what scares me is that i a decolonizing is something i agree with because it's not just decoloniality there are some people not all who use uh, indic knowledge systems or ending knowledge systems 2.0 as a catch phrase and by the way again there are different views amongst people very genuine views but, but at least based on what i see many of them do believe in hereditary varnashram mm-hmm. again as the ideal they may themselves be completely violating that in their own lives but they do believe it as an ideal and my point is okay so what where does the clock stop for authenticity they're saying okay 500 saal pehle tak agar koi smriti likh raha tha wo valid hai aaj tum smriti likh nahi sakte ho अगर आज आप इफ यू आर इफ यू आर रिवॉल्विंग यू आर बेसिकली राइटिंग अ न्यू स्मृति व्हिच इज परफेक्टली पार्ट ऑफ अ ट्रेडिशन बोलो बोले नहीं नहीं भाई तेरे को संस्कृत आनी चाहिए नहीं नहीं संस्कृत आनी चाहिए अगर आज किसी की एवरेज लाइफ स्पैन 55 इयर्स की है वो नॉर्मल लाइफ जी रहा है 65 इयर्स की है 75 इयर्स की है तो या तो फिर वो कोई गुरु को माने व्हिच इज ग्रेट इफ इट हैपेंस यू गेट अ ग्रेट गुरु इट्स नॉट जस्ट गुरु फाइंडिंग अ शिष्य शिष्य आल्सो फाइंड्स अ गुरु if not you have to live your life right i mean what is all this religion religion is ultimately trying to make sense it's of our mortality codification of your life basically no, what what does it mean to be conscious what does it mean to be sentient mm. what does it mean to have a finite life at least this life and to lose loved ones we are all trying to make sense of that right that's what religion is mm. and uh, or spirituality is you know again words that we have to use without precise meanings mm-hmm. so uh, if i have to therefore have live a spiritually curious life not in any way perfect life at all hmm. but spiritually curious life somebody who is happy to desperately pray if some of the loved ones are in a bad situation mm-hmm. is otherwise maybe dealing with it more in, at an intellectual level just doing some prayers daily whatever it works out for me and it may change in a few years hmm. so what is my point is this should not in any way be considered as inauthentic or less authentic Who is anybody to give that certificate? अरे भाई सब लोग जी रहे सब मर जाएंगे आप if you are genuinely awakened you do your own search however imperfectly I I don't think so that that's, is the, that's the intent I think the intent is to let you know that you have colonial consciousness I think you should look अभी यार तू मजे ले रहा है तो मैं मजे नहीं ले रहा हूँ I'm just trying to be fair I think that's that's no no I I I I don't know what the intention is again unlike some people I can't read their intentions <laughs> so I don't know what's happening in people's minds. but one result of using this as a cudgel is you basically declare certain socio religious reform projects in india to be illegitimate right that's what 
and therefore you yeah that's that's the correct way yes and because it has legal consequences well or whatever legal practical consequences and there are many things i disagree i personally think reservations should be time bound provided i can look into the eye of a fellow indian citizen and say you get a much better shot at social mobility than your previous generation did so it has to be to i have to be able to say that before i publicly say quotas should go similarly there could be a divergent opinions on scst atrocities act for example there are problems it is analogous to 498 etc i personally think everybody should be considered innocent until proven guilty and never vice versa there there are reasonable things that we can agree or disagree on but you know first and foremost main bolta hu agar aapko lag raha hai ki reform problematic hai funnily enough aaj ke conservatives jo hain wo yesterday ke reform ko maan lete hain so you know hayek wrote a very interesting essay although not in obviously the indian caste context he wrote it frederick hayek wrote an essay in the more of the hmm. western political philosophical economic context saying why i am not a conservative small c conservative and one of the main points he was trying to make was you know conservatives by definition are only trying to conserve what today exists they're never trying to roll back what the other side the revolutionaries the radicals of whatever persuasion managed to achieve made that fait accompli and therefore the new status quo and my point is i would respect somebody who says ki nahi unko mandir mein bhi nahi jaane dena chahiye agar aap dulja nahi ho to aap bolo na then then i understand but you are not giving me a framework to say this is mine you are saying humko thoda wapas jana hai thoda kaun decide karega ki itna thoda wapas jana to legitimate usse thoda zyada jaoge to aap illegitimate hoge aur ultimately basically aapko decide karne ka power chahiye na कि इतना जाना लेजिटिमेट इससे ज्यादा जाना लेजिटिमेट नहीं है इट्स जस्ट न्यू फॉर्म ऑफ गेट कीपिंग दैट्स ऑल इट इज ओके सो यू गिव मी एन ऑब्जेक्टिव स्टैंडर्ड विद इन द इंडियन कॉन्टेक्स फॉर दैट ग्लोबल यूनिवर्सल मॉरल इक्वालिटी एंड ऑल दैट विद इन द इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड व्हाट इज द इंडिक वर्ल्ड व्यू दैट इज ऑथेंटिक दैट इज लेजिटिमेट हिंदू धार्मिक एपिस्टेमोलॉजी ऑन्टोलॉजी थियोलॉजी व्हाटएवर यू वांट टू कॉल इट दिस इज व्हाट द स्टैंडर्ड इज वी हैव टू वर्क टुवर्ड्स दैट नाउ देयर आर मेनी अदर एस्पेक्ट्स इन टर्म्स ऑफ culture dress language is a bit more complicated because you know of the diversity but many on other things like culture and dress or maybe at least sanskritizing all our languages there's a lot of consensus the reason we discuss the point of non consensus is because that is the point of disagreement right so people are raitas hai ye trads hai but it comes down to caste because that is a point of disagreement yeah, it's, it's a funny thing is that you and i also don't agree on so many things yeah why, why will we if we don't yeah. i'm trying to convince this guy forever to allow or do dual citizenship in india <laughs> no i don't agree <laughs> as of now <laughs> so okay chal abhi questions lete hain so we'll take a few questions because and uh, coincidentally somebody has asked this would 2047 be the right time to start reducing reservations for obc and then slowly reduce scst how to make sure they don't last in perpetuity I, i think it's an excellent question i'm not sure about the date it's, it's yeah the it's date some... date is impossible to give well, i sound like society ka hal dekh i sounds like a symbolically important date to have why why just obc maybe all of them the point is it is directly connected to our economic progress mm-hmm. the richer we are the more socially mobile we are uh the less killings and discriminations we have in the name of intercaste marriage mm-hmm. the more genuine fraternizing that happens intermixing it will be easier to make a case uh you know for example again to take an example from the us mm-hmm. uh second third generation hispanics or latino americans mm-hmm. a large portion of them are identifying as caucasian americans mm-hmm. so maybe not all of them will in some cases they are clearly not white they're more brown but this actually phenomenon happened with italians 
to some extent the Irish who are both Catholic and also the Jews earlier. So what what is mainstream and not mainstream keeps on getting changed? Are we going to get a new book? How the Hispanics became white because there's a how the Irish became white folks. Yes, I think how the will. Jews became well, white. Anyway, it's a big topic of political discussion there. But my point is, uh, you know, once that natural integration is there, two way, not one way assimilation. You know, automatically there will be some people who will become full on caste quota activists. They will be protesting and calling everybody who at that point calls for a sunset clause of the quotas to be casteist. But the larger number of people will say, you know what, this is not required anymore. Mm. But in the short term, I think what the political parties are doing is they're actually increasing the contradictions. So in, instead of removing any quotas as imperfect as they are, because they're often not very well targeted, we have a dichotomy that we want caste quotas, we don't want to caste census and etc. Is what, for example, Prime Minister Narendra Modi did just before the 2019 mm. elections, he introduced EWS which I think 11 states have done so far, not others have not. Again, not perfect, but there is an element of, instead of removing something, ek add kar do. Huh. You know, like uh, so-called upper caste, mein jo lower income log hai, unko bhi koi protection milni chahiye. To aapne category add kar di. Hmm. Is it conceptually beautiful? It's not. But does it serve the purpose for the moment? Yes. So, you know, it's not about the date, but it depends on economic growth. It depends on a social mobility. And when a large number of people would say, be able to say, yes, these are professional caste quota activists. They're only for out, out for themselves, but the lived reality in India has changed. It, it will automatically happen. Yes. And, and and anybody who thinks that that situation is there right now in India is just lying to themselves. Yeah. I, I, although I must say it is much better than earlier. So it's also important to acknowledge the, um, the improvement. So the, for example, inter-caste marriage numbers, we see 5%, but those are, those are dated numbers. We don't really have contemporary latest numbers. But if I'm pronouncing the community right, Burakumin community in Japan, which is was analogous to our scheduled caste of Dalits, in the 1940s had an inter-caste marriage rate of 5%. Today, it's 70%. I think I was talking to Raziv. Raziv says in another 100 or 250 years, the Indian gene pool because of inter-caste marriages yeah, has been completely I, changed. Well, is That's a, what he's looking Ra at the trend from the genetic and population. And, and genetic Raziv is a very smart guy. So... My only thing is whatever Razib is saying, it might happen 10 years earlier. That's all. Because, yes. because because I think because there is a social kind of snowball effect that he may or may not be taking into account. Yeah, because his was purely from a genetic uh, and well, gen point of view. He's just extrapolating the data. Yeah, yeah, he's looking at the data and he said another maximum 200 years, yeah. minimum 100 years. He's like, your, your gene pool, you can't even make out the difference. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, Veer Savarkar had a famous quotation saying that all the religious commandments of the world have no chance against sexual attraction and paraphrasing him. Mm. Um, so, so I actually part of, you know, women being financially independent, educationally empowered, uh, leading to more inter-caste marriages, leading to the Hindu identity becoming stronger and leading therefore to a peaceful resolution of the Hindu Muslim communal question from a point of strength, but a peaceful resolution. These are all interconnected actually. Mm. These are not happening in silos. Um, the reason why we are seeing this massive wave of BJP victories, amongst other reasons, one of them is a relative weakening, not a full weakening of the caste identity compared to the Hindu political identity. And I always say that Hindu political identity is a bit of a tautology because Hindu identity per se, per force is political because, yes. because there is no Hindu ritual, right? There's H-I-N-D-U. I'm either worshipping, I'm either a Vaishnava or a Shaivite or a Shakta. I'm doing this. 
particular uh, puja or that particular pilgrimage the hindu word is not there in most of our earlier scriptures at least so in that sense it is a political you know aggregationist identity and what i'm trying with dharmatva is trying to make a global super umbrella for that you know if people want to come back to various kinds of neo paganisms then you know why not use our vocabulary for that and now why not use our epistemologies for them exactly so for as i, I often say you know like i was saying at shams show also yesterday that uh, one of the reasons why a neo pagan renaissance about 100 years ago got discredited and for in some cases good reason mm-hmm. is it got conflated to the far right mm-hmm. uh, whereby you say we are bringing back lithuanian modes of worship and it's only for lithuanians mm-hmm. so you kind of become a polytheist but you don't lose that monotheist streak yeah and what for example smartha does the panchayatna puja does or hinduism at large does is it says ye aapke bhagwan hai but you also respect other bhagwan so panchayatna puja or you have six devi devtas you have one of them as ishta devta so for example if you are lithuanian you could have three or four out of the five as your devi devtas one could be a german god or goddesses usse kya hota hai wo jo interlocking pantheons ban jate hain na that that kind of self respect so the reason you were mentioning our epistemologies is important is their revivalism also has to be made sure it does not go towards a white nationalist kind of route which is one of the reasons why it got discredited in the in the modern west okay so so that's just an interesting subtext there so two things i'm going to mix with the reservation thing obviously something got to do with education and they say when you create cutoffs in exams right which is different based on different categories it ends up harming and creating burdens on the system i'm paraphrasing the question i'm not trying to read so let me just say the reservation system is absolutely not perfect there are massive problems there are a lot of committees i think very late as well that even within the obc category for example say 2% of the population gets 50% of the benefits mm. something like that so there are huge problems we've all seen it the point is uh, it's very difficult to unpack because one way to unpack it is to get better data mm. the way you get better data is you have a caste census mm. but the caste census by itself increases caste consciousness which at least the hindu civilization is a national side is actually not very comfortable with mm. the you know the hindu civilization side is 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 okay with caste quotas because as recompense there's no other way out of it mohan bhagwat before the 2015 bihar election said at some point quotas jane padenge and that was spun against him saying he is a maharashtrian brahmin caste so this is completely unfairly because his point was a larger point so it so so the issue is how do you make it better without good data and getting good data will itself increase because you know senses are known to create the further consciousness कि अभी तक तो मैं खाली हिंदू बोल रहा हूँ इंडियन बोल रहा हूँ नहीं एक्चुअली मुझे मेरा पता नहीं क्या जाती वरना मैं पापा से पूछ के बताता हूँ मम्मी से पूछ के बताता हूँ मेरा क्या गोत्र आई डोंट नो एनीथिंग सो बट हाउ विल बी डिसाइड दैट लाइन ना हर्ष कि यहां पे रिजर्वेशंस नहीं जानी चाहिए इट इज लाइक दैट रिजर्वेशंस जाने का आई मीन फैक्ट समबडी हैज आस्क दिस क्वेश्चन इट साउंड्स लाइक द जीरो कोविड पॉलिसी इट कैन बी इंप्रूव्ड देयर आर अ लॉट ऑफ पीपल हु हैव मेड हु हैव मेड प्रपोजल्स सेइंग यू नो हैव सम काइंड ऑफ डिप्रिवेशन इंडाइसेस दैट इफ यू इफ यू ऐड अप सो मेनी पॉइंट्स part of it is economic part of it is social therefore then you go to that category but roughly what we have done in india for example sc scheduled caste is only for indic religions mm-hmm. but st and obc are for all religions mm-hmm. so obc in india is not other backward caste it's other backward class that's the legal full form of the acronym mm. and th- therefore st is for example includes a lot of christians obc is include a lot of muslims 
एंड देर इज एन एलिमेंट लोग बोलते हैं ना कि कन्वर्ट हो गया इस्लाम और क्रिश्चियनिटी में वो एससी का नहीं मतलब एसटी और ओबीसी में आता है वो या बट हाउ वुड यू सॉल्व दैट मिसमैच इफ आई वाज टू यूज सो आई डोंट थिंक देयर इज अ परफेक्ट टू सॉल्व इट बट व्हाट आई एम सेइंग इज द सिस्टम इन एग्रीगेट वर्क्स इट डज नॉट वर्क इफ यू डू अ डीप डाइव देयर आर ह्यूज प्रॉब्लम्स इफ यू टेक अ मैग्नीफाइंग ग्लास दिस इज एग्जैक्टली व्हाट आई वांटेड यू टू से बिकॉज़ अ लॉट ऑफ टाइम्स द स्ट्रॉ मैन अगेंस्ट रिजर्वेशंस इज देखा ये फ्लॉ है रिजर्वेशन के सिस्टम में ऑब्वियसली religion is just a more obvious example but even caste quotas cannot be there forever the issue is okay there is a history here we are trying to solve it how do we best solve it in the most humane way therefore to be able to convincingly convince our fellow countrymen and women that now is the time to gradually roll back or maybe at one fell swoop the entire apparatus recently i think it was either a sc or st category jati that voluntarily applied to yeah. the government to get out I of the i think in tamil i think in tamil nadu i think in tamil nadu because they are like we don't need it anymore and i think that is the right way to do it yeah. let that jati let that community that is getting the benefits of reservation I, this is my answer no, this is, i would say this is the right way to do it this is definitely a right way of doing it why i say this is yeah. because uh, in general वैसे तू मेरे से बहुत ज्यादा ऑप्टिमिस्टिक है मगर इस मामले में मैं बहुत ऑप्टिमिस्टिक हूं i believe the in the innate goodness of a human no being. i agree I... and communities by default are nice so communities when they see the benefits of capitalism which again some people might hate capitalism too uh, because that also stems from modernity but the point is that capitalism will eventually benefit everyone and when those communities who don't feel the need of it they will automatically get out it of it it is very much linked to our per capita income sir economic progress social mobility intermixing all of that this by a priori first principles it matters so yes that's one way of basically giving it up yourself but i think basically we have to be able to make a case with much more conviction that listen there is real social mobility in india because right now if you look at most businessmen richest businessmen many of them are from a vaishya background not all but mm-hmm. especially the traditional houses are from a vaishya background yeah many of many many of the uh, kind of intellectual written professions are dominated by brahmins and kayasts mm. now it's not the indiv- fault of the individual baniya or brahman or rajput or kayast that he or she has taken these opportunities in life obviously not but there is some you know there is some not discrimination but there is some head start you get and my point is if once we can minimize it will never go to zero Absolutely. then we can make a convincing case ki boss now this is doing more harm than good it is even now doing harm but it is doing more good yes so that abhum net that's the right word more good than harm but there is harm even log bolte ki acha you are against varna by birth how are you for reservation but my point is if that was the axis of discrimination then the recompense the remuneration the reparation whatever language you want to call it has to be on that axis at least partially so by recognizing the axis of discrimination is not accepting the fundamental assumption of that principle acha ye to mere ko aaj tak nahi samajh pada log varna and jati by varti varna by birth mein believe karte hain aur usse unko accrued benefits ko totally deny karte hain matlab ye kamal ka system hai yaar yeah the the two don't add up yeah matlab ye to ye kaise decide kiya ye bhi mere ko aaj tak wo decode nahi kar pa raha hu main see to be fair most people who are See, it's one of those 
uh, it's a stated preference, not a revealed preference. Let me put that in economics. So no, no, I genuinely mean it. Like people are doing very practical choices in their professional yeah. educational life, even in the social lives, actually, often. But it's, there's a totemic quality to that. That this original, authentic. Hai. You know, ab, kabhi na kabhi hum to me, my point, my humble point is that is not true. Because in your mind, there intermediate states. Tha. That's all I'm saying. If you authenticity, you can go to the hunter-gatherer. I'm going to phase. Mein jao, na. Hmm. Ab, Gita, chalo, it's kind of okay. Shruti, proximate, adjacent. Go to the Rig Ved, go to the Samhitas, the other three Vedic Samhitas. See, it's not written If it was so, so critical to Dharma, do you not think it would have been written in the four Vedic Samhitas? I They've written a lot in the four Vedic Samhitas. If it was really urgent and important, it hereditary in the four Vedic Samhitas. I, know, I, I, I don't know good enough Sanskrit, definitely don't know good enough Vedic Sanskrit, but when I multiple translations and I've requested people to Please prove I'm wrong and I'm happy to be proven wrong. That's how I learn. Enlighten me, educate me. If it is there in the four Vedic Samhitas, is where it's explicitly mentioned it is hereditary. As far as I know, there is no direct English mention. English complete translation. Wilson, Griffith, or oh, Jameson. I have Griffith, hai, Wilson, Adi padhi, Latest Jameson, Jameson, the latest updated translation. Ah, whatever it is, it's quite clear it's not there. Okay. Ye last question. Tha. और मैंने जानबूझ के इसको लास्ट के लिए रखा था ये मतलब पहले आया था थोड़ा क्वेश्चन सो अ लॉट ऑफ पीपल वर आस्किंग व्हाई कांट अ नॉन ब्राह्मण बी अ शंकराचार्य या माय पॉइंट इज सी अगेन दैट्स द द फ्रेजिंग इटसेल्फ रिवील्स दैट वी आर यूजिंग द वर्ड ब्राह्मण देयर इज अ जाति नॉट अ वर्ण बिकॉज़ माय पॉइंट इज अ शंकराचार्य विल टोटोलॉजिकली बी अ ब्राह्मण राइट इफ यू आर अ शंकराचार्य यू क्लियरली आर अ ब्राह्मण या so my point is what, of course, the respected gentleman or woman, whoever is asking that question, means is somebody who is born in a jati to be understood as a Brahman. Why can only they be a Shankaracharya? So that's how I would paraphrase the question. And I agree, yeah, that's not how it should be, which is what I humbly requested on social media saying. You know, I said, for example, that, you know, do not change this year, next year, but at least discuss it internally. I genuinely humbly request you. By the way, it is happening in some state-controlled temples, uh, in Kerala, in Tamil Nadu, in Andhra, Telangana. By the way, in many temp- in many temples, non-Brahmins are also priests. Shankaracharya is only one example, a more very famous example. Absolutely, so it's important to acknowledge and recognize that. But for and I have written to like liberalize, privatize, free uh, our temples like ten years ago. In the case of Padmanabha Swami Temple, जब बहुत उधर पैसे मिले थे, दस साल पहले बहुत हल्ला हुआ था एक बार. It will make that case so much stronger. Once this debate ends, it will make that case so much stronger. Look, we have all kind of legal provisions. All that is true. Like, you know, I was speaking to Anand Ranganathan once. He said, you know, we don't have to wait for that. There are legal provisions for that. And he's absolutely right. But my point is, the larger credibility with the people would be much better once this debate is yet like, for example, Thomas Jefferson was a complicated man. Like, he was critical to American independence, the writing of the constitution, but he owned slaves. Again, not exactly an analogy, not exactly a comparison, maybe a rough analogy at best. Uh, but we we focus on a net assessment saying this was the important contributions or aspects of his or our life. Woodrow Wilson name was removed by Princeton University because it turned out that even by his contemporary standards, Woodrow Wilson was a massive racist. 
so it was not unfair i was initially a bit shocked so we we can all make relative assessments and say ki what is good what is bad and i think we can move forward on the basis of that there you go you're assuming a universal standard <laughs> which there is there is a universal standard is a truth but we nobody knows what that is we are all trying to get closer to it at lin spirit va nekantwad and i think which is why it's important to say there is no one universal standard which we humans can know i'll just let tell you in this way you know every human being is an objectivist who pretends to be a subjectivist yeah of course but the point is they disagree with each other yeah, that's they, the point they disagree with each other and hence the nekant war but they want objectivism as per their standards yes. that's the only thing so if the whole world see just think like this every human being would want the whole world to have their value set so that's a having a universalist objectivist approach they will not be like tu tera kar mera nahi that's not true i don't think all humans want the world to run as per their values the all humans by and they by and large they would prefer the world to run on a standard value structure there are only see only the ideologue subjectivist wants the world to have differences and subjectivism comes when when their individual value set is questioned they don't go around preaching subjectivism willy nilly in any other case i i need to think deeper about it i'm not sure i would simply say that uh... okay let me put it this way subjectivism is used as a tool when your own internal value structure is challenged. yes that is true no that that part i agree with so that doesn't mean subjective per se is wrong uh, but it is also used in that way that is correct well, in my view it is just a wrong way of living life because if you if human flourishing uh, now you can take the utilitarian view or the consequentialist view whatever view you want even from a consequentialist point of view even from a utilitarian point of view even from an ekantwad point of view if you want maximum human flourishing what is the aim of life eventually yeah, the example i was saying was you know for example 20 years ago gay marriage was not there in most societies now it is there so was the universal standard uh what was the universal standard 20 years ago yeah it keeps changing because the moral arch keeps expanding exactly. so my my point is if it keeps on changing then it is not objective it is objective because the standard was always there we just keep reaching sooner so, and which is close to what the nikanwad point i'm saying that yeah. we are trying to get closer to the truth that's all yeah so i'm not saying But that we reached trying, it once you try to get closer to the truth there will be disagreements on the path yeah Which fair is enough. which is why it's great to have different nations. Yeah, fair enough. So, But we should at least try to be objectives. Let us be, let me put that way. Okay. So two last things. I think ये तो मैं yes or no में answer कर दूँगा. Someone has said intercaste marriage is on the rise in Gujarat. Do you think it's because of industrialization and yeah, capitalism? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I agree. This is because I want. Or ये last है. इसके बाद बंद करेंगे. Your views on the future of Hindu politics in India on dharmatva. Where is the individual if there are only polytheistic religious groups? Also atheism. Very good question. Answer कर. So I will. on india and hindutva i think what what is inevitable is that put on court hindu nationalism or civilizationism will become common sense and that will actually be the beginning of the demise of the election machine called the bjp i am saying this as an openly a massive supporter of the bjp the bjp is a tool a mechanism uh, to make this the common sense of india therefore that we don't there should be no discussions in india that kashmir is half house integrated that uh, that it is the right thing to do to support all human refugees but especially hindus and sikhs from pakistan bangladesh and afghanistan as an example um and i would say all hindus actually globally so once you make that as a common sense then the areas of disagreement will go to class maybe some angles of caste some angles of uh, gender politics some angles of ideology or so, or the candidate you so what happens is once an issue wins ironically the person who pushed that issue no longer can win because that becomes common sense 
so so hindutva i think the victory is once indian politics becomes competitive again with the difference that uh hindu civilizationism becomes the common sense uh, of political consensus dharmatva i think is like what hinduism hindutva was the last 100 years whatever term you don't have to use dharmatva you can use any other term my point is we have to look globally because the fundamental difference was not a territorial difference was not a nation state that is again one way to play it out was between the abrahamic world view and the dharmic world view and the dharmic world view is not just about the indian subcontinent it is about the whole world and if there are particular indigenous tribes being suppressed in brazil because they still want to worship a non christian god if the buddhists in south korea are being discriminated against by a very much more organized protestant minority in south korea then my point is from a dharmatva lens or whatever term you want to call it a dharmic universalism lens that is something i want to worry about so as we grow richer as we grow stronger and as we become internally within india more coherent it is only natural that we start to look outside the difference is once you look outside we don't want others to believe in shri ram or shri krishna we want them if they so inclined to believe in their old their own old gods um so the difference is we are not saying you must all believe in this or else burn in hellfire forever but if you do want to go back to your own traditions uh, however revived intermixed they are then it is india's humble duty to be in the background and to facilitate that as a last surviving proudly self consciously polytheistic civilization even the word polytheist is now again people can have different connotations because there is you can say whatever you can say panentheistic or whatever panentheistic or people say there's an underlying monotheism whatever the monotheism is not the right word there's a different word for that monism some people say that but uh, so that becomes as what you know i often say like, okay the dog has caught the car now what you are the world's third largest economy by 2030 mm-hmm. you are internally much more uh, self confident there is no pakistan there's no china forget pakistan which can do anything to your country's internal uh, problems anymore even within indian muslims there is much more modernization let us happen partially because of what is happening in the gulf right now let us say that optimistic scenario plays out it may not in which case we are further in the hindutva phase hmm. but let us say if it does play out what are, what are you going to do with all that power what is the aim uh, because the reality is if realists say national self interest but again that's tautological right okay what is the national self interest yeah but the question there was where is the individual even in dharmatva no individual is very much there because polytheism by definition is individualistic your relation with your deity no no but the point is there are multiple gods which god will you worship and which even if you worship 3 or 4 or 10 which one will you prioritize i mean in hindu family somebody is a hanuman bhakt somebody is a massive shiv bhakt somebody take picks up the phone and says hari krishna in the same family somebody will always go to a kali mandir so i mean is it other individualistic kya hoga your because there is no i'm i don't even care mere mummy or fufa ji or mama ji kisko puja karte hain correct me if i'm wrong so what i'm understanding from your point of view is the the sheer availability of the multiplicity of choice leads to individualism no, which is why they say that polytheism or what we call polytheism the broad dharmic praxis framework is in, intrinsically about mutual respect and not just tolerance because you see the moment you say okay he or she is finding spiritual sustenance through worshiping that god or that philosophy need not even be a god by the way because there is a question about atheist and atheist also has different connotations within i'm not one 
within our language there is astik nastik which in turn means whether you believe in the vedas or not which also we discussed so whatever i mean and you know about pula desh pande vajpayee ji once very famously said in a speech on savarkar uh, i think 30 40 years ago vajpayee ji said ki jo itni aastha se koi cheez vishwas karta hai wo nastik kaise ho sakta hai you know he was like if you have any strong convictions how are you an atheist is paraphrasing what vajpayee ji had said so god this nirankar god god is itself is a concept that you have to much interrogate deeply right i mean so it it's atheist is it has a very clear meaning in a christian or muslim context but in our context it has a it is, it is a bit of a different much more diffused meaning um so yeah so to answer the question the individual is by the very definition always there because if if dharma is not about your individual understanding of spiritual salvation moksha whatever term you want to use what is dharma otherwise the whole point is that there is no one size fits all except that at least a superstructure the framework has to make sure that nobody else gets to dominate others based on uh, force or any other way fair enough all right guys we'll wrap up today's discussion now definitely uh, we did not aim to give any definitive answers in today's discussion well That's... we don't have any we... <laughs> i so don't how do we give those definitive yeah, answers so we don't have definitive answers but i have a lot of questions which is what i'm known for asking a lot of questions so as far as i'm concerned this is an ongoing conversation uh, i also want to clarify if people have any confusions uh, th- uh harsh was just here for a quick visit and we had planned this podcast a long time ago so agar koi soch raha hai ki hum kisi ko respond kar rahe hain ya nahi kar rahe hain aur yaar kar bhi rahe hain to usme nahi main clarify kar raha hu kyunki logon ko bahut ye hota hai ki aise are aapne ye kiya wo kiya nahi it was just a jisko jo lag raha hai lagne do nahi jisko jo lag raha hai lagne do magar sach bolne mein koi nahi that is true i i just came to mumbai yesterday yeah so he just came to mumbai we were anyways going to do this discussion even if he was not in mumbai but uh, as always harsh pleasure talking to you thank you And, and uh, uh, we'll wrap today's discussion, guys. Uh, uh, we could, you know, I tried to make most of whatever little equipment we had and whatever we had. So this was an interesting thing. It's actually a lot of fun, to be very honest. We're sitting side by side and having a conversation. So Harsh was right, huh? So Harsh always used to tell me, "Take a essay, करना चाहिए वो दूसरे तरीके से नहीं करना चाहिए." So we will. try to do this more often than not whenever maybe if i travel to kolkata i'll try to uh, chat with her i don't think you're traveling to kolkata <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate issue so guys we'll wrap it up please support the charvak podcast subscribe on youtube li- like the video leave your comments over there if you have any questions for harsh in the description of the podcast you will have harsh's twitter handle and also go and buy harsh and rajiv's book the new idea of india a new idea a new idea of india uh the the uh, you know the link you can go on amazon wherever you want to or flipkart or jahan se bhi lena chahte ho also please support the charvak podcast either by becoming a member on youtube or on patreon or by buying the merchandise or sending your donations through upi i will see you next time until then take care goodbye